you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Romans 10, 9-17 Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one but one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So then faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. My name's Stephen, uh, and it's a joy to serve as part of the team here uh, at City on a Hill, Brisbane. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I would love to invite you to keep them open to Romans chapter 10. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, please see our team out at the welcome or the info desk, uh, and they can help you get access to one. Uh, but before we continue, would you join me uh, in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word that has just been read out uh, this morning. Would you empower us by your Holy Spirit to understand what you were saying uh, and to apply these truths to our lives today? Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I am not going to be preaching in Japanese, uh, but I will be preaching in English, and so hopefully you'll be able to follow along uh, if you're here in the room uh, or joining us online. Uh, I have a question for you. If you knew the cure for cancer, what would you do with that knowledge? Would you sit on it? Would you keep it to yourself? Or would you share this knowledge and get it out there as quickly as you possibly can with the hope of saving as many lives as possible? We live in a world that has approximately 8 billion people currently living in it. Uh, an image is going to come up on the screen with a whole bunch of stats. Uh, this 8 billion people are spread over 17,400 people or ethnic groups. Uh, the Joshua Project uh, defines a people group as a significantly large group of individuals who perceive themselves to have a common affinity for one another because of their shared language, religion, ethnicity, residence, class or caste, situation, etc., or combinations of these. For evangelization purposes, a people group is the largest group within which the gospel can spread as a church planting movement, uh, 
without encountering barriers of understanding or acceptance. Of the 17,400 people groups, 7,400 of them are unreached. What does it mean for them to be an unreached group? Uh, Well, an unreached or least reached people is a people group among which there is no indigenous community of believing Christians with adequate numbers and resources to evangelize this people group without outside assistance. If we go back to that first slide, these unreached people groups consist of 3.3 billion people. That's a large portion, of about 40% of the world's population. Uh, another mind-blowing stat on this graphic is that while there are an estimated 450,000 missionaries currently serving around the world, only about 3% of that, 15,000, are actually focused in reaching out to these unreached groups. So we have 3% of missionaries reaching out to roughly 41% of the population. Uh, And Ellie will be adding her name uh, to that number of people reaching out to the unreached uh, when she goes to Japan. Uh, Japan is one of roughly 68 countries that make up what is called the 1040 window. Uh, And you'll see this on the next graphic. Uh, The 1040 window is that rectangular area that pretty much sits between uh, 10 degrees uh, north and and 40 degrees north latitude. Within that window, uh, it covers North Africa, uh, Asia, and the Middle East. Uh, And within that window are most of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. Of the 3.3 billion unreached people, 3.2 billion live in that window. Uh, Hence, it's a key target area for many missions agencies. Uh, These are some massive numbers uh, that kind of just throwing around here. And this number is only increasing as the world's population grows daily. Did you know that there are roughly 380,000 people who are born each day? Uh, For a small country town boy like myself, I grew up in a town of only 3,000 people. 380,000 people a day is massive. But on the flip side of that, there's also on average 150,000 deaths a day. To put that into perspective, that's about 100 people dying every minute. So by the end, also between the time that I've started this sermon, by the time we finish, there could be upwards of 3,000 people who have passed away. Can you imagine how many of them might have heard the good news of Jesus? Now, death is not something foreign to us. We see almost articles daily of sports stars who have died, celebrities who have died. Uh, There are people in our congregations who have lost loved ones in the past week, in the past few months. And so death is not something new to us. Uh, But it does highlight this constant news of people dying, highlights that life is 
brief. There is a brevity to our lives. Uh, And we see this in the Bible as well. In Psalm 103, King David writes, As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. Life is fleeting. Like a flower, it blooms in one moment and then dies in the next. No one escapes death. Earlier in the book of Romans, Paul writes in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then three chapters later, he writes, For the wages of sin is death. Based on these passages, a hard truth for this morning is that every single person has sinned and is therefore deserving of death. Not just a physical death, but an eternal spiritual death. This is the good news that you were expecting when you came in this morning, right? It's a pretty weighty matter. And yet we are not without hope. Romans 6.23 continues, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through Jesus, God has offered to us the gift of eternal life. He has presented us with the offer of salvation. And this is good news. But the big question is, how do we actually gain access to this gift? How do we gain access to God's gift of salvation? And how can we help others to access this good news? Well, the passage that Laurie read out for us earlier this morning from the book of Romans, from chapter 10, speaks into this and, and firstly points us back to the fact that Jesus has already done all that is required for our salvation. We only have to put our faith in Him. That is, we only have to trust Him. And so that is good news. Romans 10 verse 9, uh, if you're following along, it'll also be up on the screen. Romans 10 verse 9 starts out by saying, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Verse 13 goes on and says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In some ways it might seem a little bit disappointing and a little bit too simple. You know, there's no list of accomplishments you need to tick off or qualifications that you need to present in order to receive salvation. There's nothing that you or I can do to earn our salvation. Jesus has done it all in his life, his death, and his resurrection. Or you or I or anyone for that matter, all we need to do to gain eternal life is to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. I love verse 12, which says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing His riches on all who call on Him. 
In the Old Testament, God's people were the Jews. And there were some people from other nations who were grafted in. But the good news that we see in the New Testament is that God's people are any of those, any people who would call on Him. There is no distinction between Jew or Greek, between Jew or Gentile. God doesn't have one set of requirements if you're of European descent, and then another set of requirements if you're of Chinese descent. We're all treated equally, and we're all gifted the same grace when we put our trust in Jesus. So what does that look like? What does it look like? What does it mean to trust in Jesus? Has anyone here heard of John Payton? A couple of hands have gone up. John Payton, for those of you who don't know him, he was a missionary uh, back in the mid-1800s to the New Hebrides. Uh, that's actually not too far away from Australia. We now know the New Hebrides as Vanuatu. Uh, when he arrived, the people on the island were all cannibals, uh, and their language had never been written down. It was just a spoken language. Uh, so he listened to the way that they spoke, and he would write down the sounds that he was hearing and tried to make uh, a written language of, um, of their spoken language. After becoming more familiar uh, with their language, he embarked on a project to translate John's gospel. But he got stuck when he tried to translate the phrase to trust or to believe, which is a key phrase in John's gospel. Now, because the indigenous folk were all cannibals, no one trusted or believed in anyone else. They didn't know who might attack them next. So they didn't have a specific word that meant trust or to believe. So in trying to work out the best phrase to use, uh, one day in his office, Peyton asked one of the indigenous people to describe what he was doing. He was sitting at his desk, and that's literally what the indigenous person said. You're sitting at your desk. But then Peyton fully leaned back in his chair and took his feet off the ground and asked the same question, what am I doing now? And the, the verb that was used by the indigenous person to describe what Peyton was doing was a verb that means to lean your whole weight on. And so that became the verb, that, uh, the phrase that John used in translating that phrase to believe or to trust. I love how practical an illustration that is to us today. To trust in Jesus means to lean your whole weight on Him. It means to put all of your eggs into the one basket, trusting that He is enough, trusting that He will not let you down. This might be countercultural to how many of us live our lives. In life, uh, we know that things can change in an instant, in a moment. And so we often invest across multiple areas, hoping that if one investment fails, then another will flourish and cover the losses from that failed investment. But when it comes to investing our trust in Jesus, 
It's either all or it's nothing. Jesus is not an added extra to be included with bits and pieces of other philosophies or religions. He's the main thing. To trust in Jesus means to stop trusting in other things and to lean your whole weight on Him. And when you do this, the Bible says that you will not be put to shame. It's there in verse 11 of Romans chapter 10, uh, where Paul actually quotes from the Old Testament. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 17, which says, But Israel is saved by the Lord with everlasting salvation. You shall not be put to shame or confounded to all eternity. When you put your trust in Jesus, He won't let you down. If you're here this morning and your faith is not in Jesus, I want to encourage you to put your trust in Him today. The salvation found in Jesus is enough for all of eternity. It's an everlasting salvation. Well, it might be a natural response to question whether or not we might lose our salvation. God's Word gives us confidence that it is eternal. We just need to keep trusting in Him. That is all that is required for our salvation. Our salvation comes by faith in Jesus. So where does our faith come from then? How can someone have faith in Jesus? Well, Paul tells us that faith comes from hearing. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? He's working things out backwards. Calling Jesus Lord comes about because you have faith in him. And you have faith in him because you've heard about him. Now, in most instances, simply hearing the name of Jesus might not be enough for people to believe. They need plausibility. That is, they need to make sense of Jesus. They need to make sense and be convinced that the salvation Jesus offers is reasonable or probable. I've stolen and tweaked this next illustration uh, from Sam Chan's book, uh, evangelism in a Skeptical World. It's also one he uses regularly in his talks, so if you've heard it before, please bear with me this morning. Imagine I told you this story. Last night, while my housemates and I were watching TV at home, a UFO landed in our backyard. A green alien got out of the UFO and asked us to join him. So my housemates and I got up and went into the UFO, and he took us to his home planet, Jupiter. There he showed us around his home city. Uh, we had dinner with his family. After dinner, we got back into the UFO and returned to Earth. But when we got back, because of the time-space continuum, we'd gone through a time portal, uh, and only one second of Earth time had passed. Do you believe me? Let's say I tell you another story. 
2,000 years ago, God sent us his son, Jesus. This man, Jesus, was 100% God and 100% human at the same time. He was born from a virgin. While he was on earth, he healed sick people and raised dead people back to life. And then he died on a cross. If you believe this, he will take away all your sins and forgive you. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again to life and is now in heaven. If you trust him, God's spirit lives in you right now. When you die, your soul will leave your dead body to be with Jesus in heaven. And one day he will return and set up a kingdom on earth. And when he does, your dead body will rise from the grave and be reunited with your soul. Do you believe that story? Assuming you're a Christian, I want to consider a question. Why are you happy to believe the second story about Jesus, but not the first story about the UFO? Let's face it. If the second story sounds quite unbelievable, if you... uh, The second story sounds quite unbelievable if you're not already a believer. A couple of pages later, Sam follows up these stories by saying, Imagine that in a room of 50 of your trusted friends and family, I'm the only one who tells you the UFO story. You'll think that I'm a schmuck. But let's say that as I tell the UFO story, half the people in the room say, Me too. A UFO landed in our backyard as well. Now you'll be thinking, hmm, maybe there's something to this story. Suddenly my story is more plausible. Now let's say that as I tell the story, everyone in the room says, me too, a UFO landed in our backyard and we also went to Jupiter last night. I thought that was you I saw, but I just wasn't sure so I didn't wave just in case. Suddenly, you're the schmuck, the one and only person who doesn't believe in the UFO story. My story has become a lot more plausible. The key idea that Sam says we need to grasp is that people will find a story is more believable if more people in their community, their trusted friends and family also believe that story. But in order for them to believe the story, they first need to hear it. Japan has a total population of 125.5 million people, give or take. Of that number, 123 million of those people belong to an unreached people group. The Japanese people, the biggest circle there, are the largest of those groups. Uh, they consist, that group consists of about 120 million Japanese people. And of that number, only 1.2% claim to be Christians. That's an estimated 1.4 million out of a country that has 125 million living there. That equates to a ratio of 84 non-Christians to one Christian. 
Now, I don't know whether that's a big ratio to you or not, but let's compare that to Australia and we'll see the stark contrast between our two nations. Here in Australia, we have a population of roughly 26 million. Even with a decline in the latest census figures to 43.9% of people claiming to be Christians, that's still over 11 million people. The ratio here in Australia is roughly three non-Christians, or just under three non-Christians, to one Christian. That's a huge difference compared to 84 to 1 in Japan. Here in Australia, belief in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is much more plausible than it is in Japan. And it would be easier for a non-Christian to hear the news of Jesus and trust in him here in Australia, given how easy it is to find a, a church or a community of Christians. I think we too often take for granted how easy it is for us to leave one church only to find another church nearby. In so many other countries, this just isn't possible. The opportunity for people to hear the good news of Jesus and to see it lived out in places like Japan is so rare that it negatively impacts the plausibility of the gospel message. It doesn't make it less true, just less believable. Uh, Amy Carmichael was a missionary to India, but before she arrived in India, she spent some time in Japan. Uh, in a section of her autobiography, she writes this. One evening, when my Japanese fellow workers and I were visiting in the streets of Matsui, we found an entrance to a house where three devout Buddhist men were preparing for the evening worship. One, a thoughtful-looking man, was arranging lilies before the family shrine. A lamp hung before an idol, which was smothered in chrysanthemums. We had earnestly asked to be led to prepared hearts that evening. The man who was laying the lilies round the shrine seemed to have the heart prepared. Soon we were reading to him from Romans chapter 5 verse 10, which says, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is what he said. True, true, it must be true. Buddha died, we know it. How can he help us who live today? He may say, be good, but the power to obey he cannot give. Looking deep into my eyes, he said, if this be so, you are as an angel from heaven to us. But if it be so, we want to see it lived. Can you show it to us? The good news of salvation comes by trusting, by faith in Jesus. And that faith comes from hearing the good news that has been conveyed in such a way that it is plausible to those who hear it. Now, in order for a person to hear the good news of Jesus, someone needs to go and proclaim it. Paul rounds out Romans chapter 10, verse 14 with the words, And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
Church, how did you come to believe in Jesus? How did you come to put your trust in Him? Was it not because someone came and told you about Jesus? Was it not because someone came and explained to you the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? What a blessing that is. Because someone came and told you the good news about Jesus and because the Holy Spirit was at work in your life, you heard it and you believed. There are two countries in the world where 100% of their population are in unreached people groups. Does anyone have an idea of what two countries they might be? Any guesses? It's not North Korea. Uh, Western Sahara in northern Africa and the Maldives. Between these two countries, there are 1.1 million people. Pakistan's percentage is not too far behind them with 99.2% of the population. That's 226 million people who are part of an unreached people group. Brothers and sisters, I hope and pray that this morning your heart might be stirred with a burden for the nations. There are so many people who do not know the good news of Jesus. So many who don't even have the opportunity to hear about Him, to have the opportunity to hear His life-giving words. We see in John's Gospel that Peter declares to Jesus when asked, Will you also leave? Simon Peter answers him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There is no other avenue to salvation except through Jesus. After his resurrection, Jesus commissions these same disciples, saying, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." When the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was passed on to the disciples, it didn't end with them. They went out from Jerusalem into Judea and into the surrounding areas, proclaiming the good news of Jesus. That has somehow managed to travel to each one of us in this room today. And yet it's not supposed to end with us. As a recipient of God's mercy and grace, as a recipient of the salvation God has gifted to us in Jesus, we share in that commission to proclaim the good news of Jesus to all the nations. It's a big and daunting task. It's an urgent task. So how can we be part of going and discipling all nations? How can we be part of preaching 
the words of life that we have from Jesus so that those who are dying and going to hell might hear, believe, and be saved. There are eternal consequences at stake here. And while we will never personally know each of these millions of individuals, they are known and loved by the same God who knows and loves us. Each of these lives is precious to Him. And it ought to break our hearts to know that so few have been presented with Jesus, the only one who can save them. So where do we start? We can start by praying. It's what Jesus tells His disciples, and we see it in both Matthew and Luke's Gospels. Jesus says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Let us be praying that God will raise up and send out more laborers. Let us be praying for Ellie and others like her who are leaving behind their family and friends to move to a foreign country to tell people, about Jesus. It's no easy thing to do. And yet they do it because they sense the urgency of God's mission and they are compelled by God to go. Let us be praying for boldness and for safety. Let us be praying that they would reap the harvest that God has prepared. Let's also be praying for our own hearts that God would reveal to each one of us how we might be able to further participate in His mission and that He would give us the boldness to then take action. Prayer is something that we can all do. So let's start here. A second way we can get involved is to give financially. What greater financial investment is there than to invest in spreading the good news of Jesus, particularly amongst those who have never had the opportunity to hear it. Maybe some of you are already supporting missionaries. Maybe you're not, and maybe you could start today by supporting Ellie financially, not only to go to Japan, but to be able to stay, to be able to do the language study that she needs to do, to be able to invest in the relationships Uh, that she'll need to make in order to be able to convey that gospel message. As Mel said earlier, uh, Ellie will be out in the foyer after the service, and I'm sure she'd love to talk with you uh, and to share more about how your financial support will help the gospel be proclaimed to an unreached people. Now, this is not a giving that replaces regular Uh, giving to church, but something over and above. Uh, The local church and its mission is just as important and dependent on your giving as those who are reaching out to the unreached. A third way to get involved is for you to also physically go. You could follow in Ellie's footsteps and get involved in uni student ministry in Japan. Or you could use your skill set in some other way that could help spread the good news of Jesus. Is your heart stirring to move overseas and do the same? As Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. 
And so there is a great need for people to actually go. Could that be you this morning? If you're keen to seriously explore this possibility, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Come and chat with myself or any of our staff. Uh, Chat with Ellie about her experience and what it's been like to prepare to go uh, to a different country. Uh, We'd love to come alongside you and see how we as a church can help you to that end. But going, ready to proclaim the good news of Jesus, isn't restricted to just going overseas. Uh, Australia has become a melting pot of different cultures and ethnicities. Uh, an image will come up on screen uh, that shows we have one point, almost 1.5 million people who are from unreached people groups currently living in Australia. Uh, and there's some ideas of how big some of those groups are. Because we have so many unreached people groups here in Australia itself, there's every possibility that you could drive 5, 10, 15 minutes and be engaging with an unreached person with the good news of Jesus. Not only are there a lot of unreached people in Australia, but we're also one of the best resourced countries when it comes to Christian materials. We have an abundance of podcasts, of books, of different Bible translations, of theological colleges, the list goes on. And yet, there are still so many in this nation who have never had the opportunity to hear about Jesus. I want to encourage you this morning to intentionally find ways that you can, enri- that you can engage with unreached people, even here in Brisbane. As a church, we've decided to have a focus on Japan as uh, a mission And there are 11,000 Japanese people who are living in Brisbane. Most of these people don't know a serious Christian. So maybe your gospel community could brainstorm some ideas on how to do something together to reach out to them. Uh, We also have a Japan-focused WhatsApp group uh, that you could join and you could share creative ideas with the rest of us on how we might be able to engage these people with the good news of Jesus. God's mission to save people, to reconcile them to himself, is big and it's urgent. But 2 Peter 3.9 reminds us that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any perish, but that all should reach repentance. If you're here and you don't yet trust in Jesus, is this the time and opportunity that he's given to you to put your faith in him. All you have to do is trust him. We've read this morning that salvation comes through faith in Jesus, that faith then comes from hearing, and that hearing comes from the word of God. Would you trust him this morning? Would you keep trusting in him? If your faith is already in Jesus, then would you pray for the nations? Would you pray for places like the Maldives? Would you pray for Ellie and for other missionaries? Would you pray for opportunities to engage with unreached people here in Brisbane? 
Would you give above and beyond your regular giving to help support Ellie and others like her? And would you consider how you can go to the nations to declare the salvation we have in Jesus, that people would hear it and believe in him, be that in Brisbane or beyond? As I call the band up, let me tell you, I I cannot wait for the day when what is written in Revelation chapter 7 comes to reality. In Revelation chapter 7, the Apostle Paul writes this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. What a beautiful picture of people from all tribes and languages and tongues gathered before the throne of God, worshipping Him. What a day to look forward to when God's mission has been completed. But until then, let us be faithful in proclaiming the good news of Jesus, that those who have not yet heard it would hear, that they would put their trust in Jesus and they would be saved. Would you stand and join me as we pray this morning? Father, I thank you that you are a good God. I thank you that you have prepared the way of salvation in Jesus. We thank you for his life, his death, and his resurrection. Father, I thank you for the faithfulness of the many disciples and followers of Jesus who have gone before us, who have proclaimed boldly the good news of Jesus that many would hear and put their trust in Him. Father, I pray for those this morning who, whose trust is not yet in Jesus. Father, would you be at work in their lives? May they see the plausibility of what Christ has done, of what you have accomplished through Him that they too would trust in Him and be saved. Father, for those of us whose trust is already in You, would You give us boldness? Would You help us to be sacrificial in going, in proclaiming the goodness of Jesus, the salvation, the life, the hope, the joy, the peace that we have in Him? as we look forward to that day where we will all be gathered around your throne, worshipping you. Father, would you continue to save many in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.